Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If so, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has a ton of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you. Aww. Along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use! Exclamation point. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours, too. Uh, so do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Friday, September 6th, 2019. And we're seeing here today the return of uh, of the veteran co-host of the podcast, Mike. He's back. And better than yes. ever. Yes, I'm back. Um, yeah. Uh, did you feel, did you, a- did you feel cuckolded uh, last week when you were listening to the podcast? Uh, the podcast without you hosting. What is that word again? Cuckolded, like cucked. What? No, it's a, really. it's the kind of porn where <laughs> the 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 dude gets off to uh, watching his wife uh, get screwed by another guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. So basically, if anyone's just tuning into this podcast for the first time, it's not like PG or family friendly. So just switch <laughs> off right now because it it doesn't get any better. Yeah. Yeah. We're not this American life. N- no, not at all. But it must have been weird though for you to. Uh... We're this immature life. That, yeah. Really exactly. That that actually would be a pretty <laughs> decent name for a podcast. This immature life. <laughs> I like it's just that. a parody of this American life. Yeah, just being you, you, as immature as as possible. The shitty thing is, is like you weren't. Yeah, it's like you weren't on the podcast last week, not because you were sick, not because of anything else. It was it was my fault that you yeah. weren't on the podcast. So <laughs> because uh, me and Stephanie had to go to Atlanta. Uh, in fact, hot I think Atlanta. Yeah, hot Atlanta, hot Atlanta, hot Atlanta. God, I hate all that hacky ass shit that people <laughs> say. But no, but you like, did it. Oh, I did it. I, I can't resist, man. Like, I just, it's like one of those corny ass things that, like, when, when you're in Atlanta, you have to call it Hot Lana. But, nah, no, it was like the night before we left, we, I was like, well, let me bang the podcast out. Cause at this rate, I didn't, we didn't even get back till fr- we left uh, Wednesday and we didn't get back till Friday. And mm-hmm. uh, Saturday wasn't going to work for some reason. And it just, it was like too crazy. I was like, all right, we just yeah. gonna have to knock it out. But um, yeah, Atlanta was pretty cool. The drive up there sucked, but it wasn't like terrible. Like both me and Stephanie were like, you know, this because it was like a six hour drive all told. Yeah. And it wasn't you just uh, listen to a bunch of music and just chit chat. Yeah. Listen to music. Just fuck around on my cell phone. Um, you know, just try to sleep. But I don't know how the fuck people sleep in cars or sleep in yeah, planes I don't know either. Cause yeah. I, I just I, I I was I was getting to a I just can't get comfortable like even if you have a pillow like putting the pillow up up against a window doesn't really work. Yeah, it's not. You'd have built. to have one of those cars where you can put the seats down and like sleep in the back. Then that would work. Yeah, I could probably have taken a nap if if it had done that. 
And then sometimes I'd get this like weird panic in my brain when, when, you know, I was trying to take a nap. I was like, oh my God, Stephanie's in charge of this car. What if, you know, we're, we're like driving at like 80 miles an hour in the middle yeah. of nowhere right now. What the fuck? I would like get panicky all, all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm like, all right, dude, chill out. I'd open my eyes and I'd see that everything was fine. But um, yeah, yeah, we got to the hotel and yeah, a National Lampoon's vacation moment for a second there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. That, that, Clark that reference over driving. That reference then, I do like, understand. Yeah. <laughs> they just I, I love how in that movie he's just swerving and weaving all over the fucking place and they still make it to the hotel parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> ah man, what happened to Chevy Chase? Why'd he get so crappy? But um, uh, I think he got full of himself. His ego started to uh take over and uh it only needed a lot of people around him in, in the industry. And it ended up limiting the type of films that he would get cast in because people are like, he's a fucking dick. We don't want to work with Chevy Chase. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I heard even on uh, that show, commun- was it Community or Parks yeah. and Rec that he was, I forget Communi- which. I think Community, he was also pretty yeah. hard to work with. Yeah. I heard like at first he was all right and then he became a douche later on. Yeah. Cause he's like, oh, my career's back. Now time for me to act like an egomaniac. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, the uh, the Atlanta shows were good. We played at this place called um, Old Fashioned Times or Good Old Times or whatever on Wednesday night. And I was thinking that it was going to be some kind of like rednecky kind of, <laughs> you know, we don't want to hear that choir music. I don't, <laughs> but we went in there and it was like it, it almost looked like a Bennigan's or like some family oh, yeah. uh, place. But it was like a. Uh, it looked like it used to be a restaurant, but it was like turned into like a bar. So there was like all this open space where tables okay. would have normally been and just the upholstery on the wall and the molding and all that. It it had a very like early Applebee's feel before they renovated all the Applebee's like that. Yeah. Just that hometown bar look with the wood grain and all. But uh-huh. um yeah, they had a pretty good stage, had a really good sound system. Um, there was like... Uh, there was probably 20 people in the entire restaurant and they were all spread out. And um yeah, so we well, played That's quite the the uh audience. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, the thing about that gig, that was just a payday gig because we were getting paid a good amount of money to do that show and I don't I thought they were going to stiff us when we got there. I was like there's no way they're going to pay us uh it was it was $300, I'll go ahead and say. It was going to pay us $300 to play for an hour and a half of original music. It, we weren't even playing covers, and you can ask anybody who you know who's in a cover band. There's a lot of cover bands that don't even make three hundred dollars for playing for four hours. Yeah, you know, if especially not playing original tunes. So I thought that that shit sounded too good to be true. I was like, we're gonna get stiff. We're not gonna get. I didn't even know that cover bands actually played original tunes. I thought they were just you know straight up covers. Well, you know, a did. lot of they cover never... bands, a lot of cover bands will slide in their originals, you know, here and there. But no one ever gives a fuck. No one cares because like <laughs> if you're there for to see to hear cover songs, that's what you want to hear. You don't you don't give a flying shit about this unknown song you've never heard before. You want to hear the songs you've heard five billion times that you have a bunch of nostalgic memories tied to. Like, that is a kiss of Just death. Just like all these Disney live-action uh, remakes. It's, you know, it's, it's very similar. You just want to get those nostalgia vibes, nostalgia rush. Yeah, whenever... Uh, 
Whenever a cover band to me plays an original song, that is just like the kiss of death for the audience. It's like, <laughs> like okay, we officially just don't give a shit anymore. But yeah. Um, what if the song's not bad, though? What if it surprises you and it's like, oh, that's actually better that than song the covers the, they've been doing? The song would have to be really killer. Um, and it's usually not. Because if, yeah. if the song was really killer, then you'd be pursuing... Why are they a cover band? Why are they a cover exactly. band? You'd be pursuing yeah, yeah. a career <laughs> trying to do your originals. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, we played a, like a hour set or a 45-minute set of our... Um, Acoustic songs, which we're really good at, you know, all that, the harmonies uh-huh. and all that other kind of stuff. So we had no problem doing that. And that was fun. And then we did 45, I think, of our electric, you know, full yeah. setup kind of dealio. And uh, that, I don't know, man, like <laughs> we we made like three or four fans. I mean, there were the, there were some younger people there and they were like really digging it. And like, oh, my God, oh, cool. like, what are you guys doing here? You know, like uh, the. This place is so dead, you know. You should be here at such and such time. Blah blah. blah. Uh huh. The next night was at a place in Atlanta called Smith's Old Bar or Old Smith's Bar or some shit, and uh, that that place There's was a lot of old. Yeah. Olds in the in, in these bars. It well, Mike, like. it's the South, and we like reminiscing a lot down here in the South. We love we love thinking about the good old days. Um, but no, the, this place in uh, Atlanta was pretty cool. Um. The stage actually had a fucking curtain, which was so nice. It was like more of a like a round stage, like a like a half a circle. But it was yeah. Big, I wasn't though. thinking like, oh, it's a shower curtain. <laughs> you know, they had a curtain. They actually had a curtain. It was a shower curtain, but it was a curtain. Dude, with some of these shitty ass DIY little punk <laughs> venues I've played, it would not surprise me if that if if one of the venues had some shit like that, and they 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 chalk it up to kitschy. Oh, it's fun. It's no, it looks stupid. Your whole aesthetic is shit, but. I you got these this this uh, shower curtain with rubber duckies on <laughs> because like I guess you feel like it gives you some shred of punk rock credibility. That's the only reason you're doing it. But no, this place was legit, and and it was so fucking nice to like set our shit up and actually not have people staring at us the whole time because it kind of kills the effect when you're trying to be this mystical you know kind of mysterious band and you're in face paint and everything and you're like loading your amp in from the side door and you're (laughs) lugging it on stage and setting everything up and sound testing in front of everyone Uh it just really kills the effect so it was nice that we could do all that behind the curtain and then they pulled the curtain open when our show was ready which i thought was like a lot more professional than and the sound was good there too we checked out some bars and stuff around the atlanta area uh, it was pretty cool. I mean, they had, they had some artsy districts, just like Jacksonville, but I guess on a larger scale. But I don't, uh-huh. I don't know. Uh, you was know, it hot? Um, no, actually, the weather was great up there because it's yeah. not. It's it's more obviously it's much more northern than uh, Flor- uh, Jacksonville is. So it was it was it was significantly not cold by any so means. So Atlanta wasn't hot. Oh baby, they call it Hot Atlanta because all the hot beats that come out of there. They don't they ain't referring to the temp, although it probably could be referring to a temperature, depending on when you go. But um, yeah. Now I don't know. You know, Atlanta's one of those major cities like New York, Chicago, Atlanta. You know, what whatever, uh, Los Angeles. I I didn't really see any. I mean, the architecture was cool and. Uh, the traffic was fucking awful. Uh, <laughs> but so it is in most big cities. Yeah, I mean, traffic's pretty bad in Jacksonville, but uh, God, Atlanta was just 
I mean, <laughs> you burn 45 minutes wait, of your time. Wait till you get to New York or, you know, if you ever, you know, go to New York oh, and deal with the traffic over there. It's so there, bad there. People just, people just walk in New York. Or, <laughs> just yeah, like, or L.A. <laughs> oh, yeah. L.A. is like the Mac Daddy of bad traffic. Seattle, actually. I looked at a list. That was ranked number one. Yeah, actually, Honolulu, Hawaii is up there, too, as like... Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't think. I, I still, I deal with it, because, you know, I'd love to go back there. I don't remember anything. I was born there, don't remember a thing. Yeah, so uh, a- another fun little fact about Georgia in general. So we're at the, the bar the first night, and we were wanting to dip out and go to our hotel and pick up a six-pack, you know, or not a six-pack, probably more like a 12-pack a beer Mm -hmm. and just have some beers in the hotel and then pass out. Well, in good old Georgia, right in the fucking smack dab in the middle of the Bible belt, you cannot buy alcohol at anywhere after midnight. Wow. You cannot go to a gas station and buy alcohol. They will not, they will not sell it to you. It is, it is illegal. I guess they think everyone's beer gremlins. Now you can't you can't uh, give they can't give you alcohol after midnight. Otherwise, people will turn into to beer gremlins. Now you can you can <laughs> go Atlanta. to a, you can go to a bar and be served alcohol until two a.m. But you cannot buy it yourself after oh, midnight, which is that's bizarre. Yeah, that is. In Jackson, in, in Jacksonville, and in, in most areas and cities in Florida, jurisdictions, counties, whatever, it's like. Yeah, whatever. At two o'clock is a cutoff. Fucking buy yeah. it. Buy it. Get served at a bar. We don't give a shit. Buy, you know, 10 bottles of vodka at 158. We'll sell it to you. You know, like, fuck. Uh-huh. But not not in uh, Georgia. And I'm like, how? Like that must hinder their... I don't know. Maybe it's... How do you have nightclubs? Yeah. How, how do you, you have, have good uh, nightclub business? I mean, I guess you can serve it at the nightclub until two, but like still, like, people can't... I mean, I don't know. It just seems... I mean, there like, are a lot of people who do nightclubbing, like till the sun goes up so like you're you're losing that potential business yeah it was fucking weird but uh from what did you do instead well after (laughs) after talking to some people i got the hookup on this you know kind of foreign run gas station that will that would just sell it to you they (laughs) they didn't give a fuck it was this one specific (laughs) gas station hey what gotta do it yeah I mean, it's one of those things you got the opportunity to make some more extra cash why not you know cheat the system it's probably one of those things like the cops really don't give that much of a shit about it i mean yeah you like wouldn't think so things. and and i think we ended up going there at like 215 which was like past when you could even buy it in jacksonville and i just walked up to the counter and the guy you know rang me up and i was like okay fucking sweet thanks man like i was glad i talked to <laughs> The locals, the locals, uh, they, what would you, what would you have, Stephanie, have done if you couldn't get the alcohol? I would have went to CVS and bought some rubbing alcohol and just drank that. Just, I guess. just, just kidding, everybody. <laughs> don't actually drink rubbing alcohol. Exactly. Don't do that. Yeah. No. That's, it's pretty, uh, although I don't know why, because, uh, it's, you, it's, 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 uh, I think it's because it's like a hundred percent. Well, you know, it, it, it's there's no like uh, filters or anything. Nothing's filtered out, and it goes like straight into your system. I'm gonna Google why can't you drink rubbing alcohol? This is the Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries podcast. Everybody, we're about to uncover. Some I guess mysteries. that's an unexplained mystery for Josh. Apparently, why why you can't drink rubbing alcohol? 
Okay, consuming even small amounts of rubbing alcohol or isopropyl alcohol can make a person very ill. Isopropyl mm -hmm. alcohol is twice as toxic as ethanol, yep. the form of alcohol contained in alcoholic beverages, and drinking it can result in severe depression of the central nervous system, yep. internal bleeding, and even death. Yep. Uh-huh. Wow. Well, isn't ethanol like what this, they put in like cars? Like this dumbass in a thousand ways to die who's a germaphobe he got sprayed with some dirty water and then filled his bathtub with rubbing alcohol and jumped in and died because it seeped immediately into all of his pores and into his bloodstream now i'm seeing if i can drink uh ethanol fuel <laughs> fuel grade ethanol may contain dangerous impurities and should never be consumed yeah exactly <laughs> no you can't drink that either, Josh. Damn it! I'm just trying to save some money, man. Fuck. <laughs> uh, you can't. You can drink Listerine. I know that for a fact, and that shit will fuck you up. I haven't done it, but there's this homeless guy uh, when I worked at CVS who'd always come in the store. His body was ravaged by the drinking this poisonous Listerine and he'd buy yeah, you shouldn't be drinking that either <laughs> he'd buy the medical grade he'd buy the brown Listerine oh, that had fuck. no it was just straight up like strong and God dude damn. he the smell that he reeked of was so weird because it was it, he was sweating out the Listerine Oof. mixed with you know his own body chemicals Oof. so it, he had this weird chemical stink artificial yeah this yeah, artificial, artificial chemical smell. stink to him and, it, and it, it it bothered me and his eyes were all fucked up with Ooh. cataracts and shit or he went blind or he could barely see in his he he just looked awful man he apparently got hit by this fucking so he was friends with this other homeless guy this other homeless guy's name was virgil he was loud and obnoxious at least that the uh Listerine guy was very humble and kind, um, but Virgil was this loud alcoholic, and Virgil came in one time, and we asked him, hey, what, what happened to the other guy? He's like, oh, he got hit by a car. Yeah, he stepped right in front of a car, and it fucking, uh, it, 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 uh, <laughs> he, he, it said, fucked him up. <laughs> he said something like it, 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 like he, like, blew into a hundred pieces or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, but he said it so, like, like no, like, no subtlety, yeah. no anything. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, he died. Like, he fucking, his head went rolling down the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy, he died. He got hit and he got blown up into a million smithereens. I don't know what it is. Death? It was cool. <laughs> Somebody passing away. I was there. Somebody passing away. Not funny. Somebody dying in an extreme manner, hilarious. I don't know what it is. I don't know why that's a rule in my book. If somebody dies of kidney failure, that's very tragic. If somebody gets hit by a car and their head's rolling down the sidewalk, that is hilarious to me. What? What is Seriously? wrong with... Yes. That's, <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. I don't know about it being funny to me. I mean, death is death. That but would I mean, be my for first me, reaction. Maybe when, it's when my coping mechanism. Does, when, when, you know, you have something that's like a Darwin Award where somebody's doing some fucking dumbass shit, but, like, checking to see if there's gas in a gas can by lighting a lighter <laughs> or lighting a match to look inside, then, yeah, you know, I laugh at that. 
Like, I remember, yeah. Dar- I mean, these people don't need to be polluting the gene pool anyway, so. <laughs> this fucking kid in my high school threw a can of spray paint in a bonfire uh, at his friend's party. <laughs> that bitch blew up all in, in that motherfucker's face. And he went to the hospital. Oh. And I was like, I was like laughing about it when I heard about it. I was like, what a fucking dumbass, you know? Well, that's, that's the kind of thing, yeah, because that is, that's fucking stupid. And then my like, friend went and told other kid that i was laughing at his uh you know incident and and then that then that kid the kid who it happened to wanted to beat my ass blah blah blah. (laughs) i was a i was a little dickhead in uh school but you but but seriously though like i don't blame you for finding that funny like i don't blame anyone for finding that kind of funny it's tragic and it's and it's fucked up, but it is still funny because it's stupid. I mean, it's there's a, there's a reason why the Germans have a word Schadenfreude, which is basically yeah. taking joy in other people's misfortunes. It's like, what the fuck were you thinking? What what do you think was gonna happen? You damn dumbass! You throw a fucking can of spray paint in in an open fire. Oh, it blew up. I'm supposed to, you know? Yeah, it's too bad. You know, I hope you recover, but I hope you also learn a lesson and. Don't do stupid shit like that anymore. Yeah, he was Mr. Star football player too. So that made me that made me it made it even sweeter for me. He's bald now. Which makes me yet even happier. <laughs> the narcissist that, right here. That's right. Now, maybe that's uh the inspiration for that song, you know. <laughs> that he, it is. No, it's I I am the narcissist just, in, in the song. Yeah. Like I, uh-huh. I am the I am I am like describing how I felt my family felt about me at one point in my life. So like yeah. you know, the lyrics to th- that's a song that my band does by the way that Mike happens to like. But yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, this show is called Uncovering Explained Mysteries. We're gonna take a look at some uh, segments from the show Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, we had some extra uh, stuffed uh, chit chat there because you know we haven't really we haven't seen talked. each other in two weeks. <laughs> we just had a lot of catching up to do. All right, so we're going to start with uh, the case of the psychic spy, or how, he, or how he likes to call himself the psychic warrior, although he doesn't really fight, doesn't really do anything. Not with In his fact, hands. he refused to fight. He fights with his mind. Well, he even refused to fight with his mind, as we're going to find out. So I guess he just used that because it sounded better than psychic spy. Sell more books saying you're a psychic warrior. Oh, yeah. Sounds like an X-Men, doesn't he? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he's pretty much Charles Xavier. So, yeah, walk. this is about David Morehouse. Uh, this is from, I believe, season nine. nine. Yeah, season nine, episode of 15, I think, on Amazon. And uh, it's actually a pretty uh, cool and uh, interesting segment. About government experiments and about this guy who was in the center of it all. So David Morehouse was the son and grandson of military officers. He graduated from BYU at the top of his class. He later joined a group in the Army called the Army Rangers. In March of 1987, he was taking part in a military exercise in Jordan when he was shot by a stray machine gun bullet that lodged in his helmet and knocked him out. According to David, an angel-like figure visited him. Uh, The reenactment doesn't mention him saying angel-like, though. He just says that he heard this voice that was talking to him and told him, you know, 
you've chosen the wrong path. You should choose the path of, of good or, or something like that. So after that, he had several strange nightmares and uh, visions. They showed his sketches, and they were pretty trippy. They were just, yeah, they were pretty disturbing. You yeah. know, if I was like having those kind of visions and shit, I'd, God. It was like this older guy with like stringy hair who had like his head, the top of his head was broken open. There's another one that had like what looked like a like a UFO or something like in the middle of like a moon or some some shit like yeah there's some really just crazy sh another one was like an angel and uh so of course he goes to the psychologist you know cuz he's like hey you know this is this is really disturbing i'm having a hard time sleeping this is it's crazy and he's like and and, and he initially thought Okay, they're going to give me some pills. They're going to do something. They're going to help me get rid of this. Uh, but the military psychologist actually uh, saw his new visions as an opportunity to have him be a part of this new clandestine top secret program, uh, which I think was uh, Project Grillmark was what it was uh, labeled as. It would go on to be known as the Stargate Project, but he gave him this uh, these series of folders labeled Project Grillmark to look over, and he looked over them and saw that it dealt with psychics, dealt with these uh, military guys, you know, or maybe even gals who were, uh, I think it was the CIA was involved, I think, in some ways as well, and they were tasked with this this uh action called remote viewing which is to use their psychic abilities to go through walls and to see uh people and 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 to keep track of people in other countries and so on and so forth and other events and to put themselves their psychic uh I'm trying to think of the right word for that. It's kind of just like put themselves in the in that situation and in that place. Astral projecting. Astral projecting themselves there. This is the kind of stuff you're like, oh, this is just like stuff out of comic books, you know, or you know, some pulp uh, stories or or you know, science fiction. But apparently, this is a real program, a real military program, where it was funded by the government. Where they had these individuals who had who professed to have psychic abilities, and they would have these uh, uh, people that were tasked with guiding them to these specific targets. Uh, the targets actually had names for them. There was uh, soft targets, which were engineers, military figures, and political figures, or hard targets which were weapons, research development facilities, submarines, narcotics, and so on and so forth. And I just thought it was really kind of eye-opening. It was really, not kind of, it was really was eye-opening to see all this detail that this, this uh, man shared on camera uh, on this show about this secret um, government experiment or series of experiments. So, over the next year, he worked with several other psychic spies 
because he was really interested in that because he looked at Project Willmark, the the uh, folders, saw what was going on, and he was like, this sounds... He was looking at it, he was saying, when I was reading things like remote viewing and how you could go through walls, the hair hairs on my neck, you know, stood up, but I was still really, really fascinated about, about this particular uh, project, and he ultimately did become a part of it. And the reenactments in this, I think, are quite strong. I think the director and the production and art design did, uh, designers, they did a really good job creating the surreal vibe, look and feel of his visions. Cameras askew, off kilter, it's fuzzy looking. They also did a really good job with lighting. Uh, I particularly like the use of like pink and purple and like neon lighting and some of his visions as well as when he's like sitting there in the chair and there's like this pink light that's or a pink or red light that's that's uh set up i don't know if it's actually how the real facility looked like probably not <laughs> but you know for aesthetics re you know uh reasons it's a really cool looking series of shots the actor played uh david was fine uh, you could tell that there was more meat on the bone with this particular case, so Stack didn't do a whole lot of narration. Yeah, which is always funny, because, you know, like I was saying last episode, like, the the, the, the big rule on Unsolved Mysteries is the, uh, the worse the acting, the more narration Robert Stack will do over the uh, reenactment. <laughs> so if it's like... If they're just like a horrendous actor, then uh, you, there'll be a lot of times Stack's voice will kind of fade in over the reenactment as it's happening, mm -hmm. which I think is kind of funny. So the process was called remote viewing. It was used by the government until 1994. Now, to give some of the more, I, I would say, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, maybe millennials or some of the podcast listeners who would like something more uh, current to use as a potential explanation for something like this. Think of uh, Eleven in Stranger Things. So Eleven, she is part of this top secret uh, series of experiments, and she's put in an isolation tank, and she's got psychic abilities. So she's put in an isolation tank, shut off, you know, from the outside world, essentially, because the doors close and she's just there in the water. And she is tasked with trying to locate certain people, you know, see where they're going, uh, see what they're saying. So this is so this wasn't I guess this wasn't just fantasy like this actually was something that we were doing uh, in the in uh, the 90s and I think the late 80s. Which is kind of, this is really crazy to me. This is the first time I really heard of this Project Stargate. Yeah, I mean, the governments have always, you know, tinkered around with these kind of like weird sciences, if you will, or the, the black sciences or dark, you know, like the... Uh, there's this whole rumor about the Nazis uh, experiencing around with dark magic. Yeah, <laughs> like Satanism and this, that, and the other. And uh, well, well, it's not necessarily a rumor. I mean, uh, it's proven that Hitler really was interested in the occult. He was obsessed with the occult, and he actually had 
uh, people from his party look for occult objects. So, you know, in Indiana Jones, in the Indiana Jones films, like Raiders a lot from Lost Ark, Raiders of the Lost Ark or uh, Last Crusade, you know, Hitler and the Nazis are trying to find occult artifacts. You said, well, that actually is based on truth. You said people from his party, and I just imagine Hitler was throwing a party in his apartment. <laughs> There's like a table with a bowl of punch and some potato chips, and he's like, hey, could you guys do me a favor and go find some, uh, some artifacts for me? That would be fantastic. I don't know. That was so, anyway. That was, that was probably not funny, and I uh, I take full responsibility for that. But I do blame Mike like ten percent. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there there's a there's documentaries out there about that specific part of uh, Hitler's Reich. You know how they they were, in, including himself, were actually really genuinely interested in finding occult artifacts to help enhance their uh power yeah so i mean it stands to reason that uh the united states i mean with our kind of whole eugenics program and all the other kind of weird kind of shit that that uh happens that you know 50 60 years later the government finally admits to yeah, yeah. i mean it, it makes sense that this was something that you know but for me like it was still something that was just the stuff of uh, of fa uh, fantasy. Yeah, it does know, sound fiction. like something that is because with the whole like Area Fifty One and UFO thing, they're they've just been denying that left and right. I mean, we're just so used to the government denying things; it's not even funny. But with the uh, with this program, they they've straight up said, "Yeah, no this this was something that was going on that we were trying out." And if if this guy refused to do it and he quit. Who stayed and did do those? Yeah. Who did weaponize their psychic? Yeah, because that's ultimately why he left. He left because they were moving this project towards a place that that was uh, lethal. They wanted the psychic warriors or the remote viewers. You know, the 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 individuals of the psychic power who are doing these remote viewing experiments wanted them to try to push the envelope even further and control minds and potentially cause even death yeah and he was like nope fuck this <laughs> i'm not doing that right and, I and mean, he left but then yeah i mean it, the question still remains is like well who? oh you who guarantee, i guarantee there were some that were probably and the government probably isn't going to release that information and did it work you know, you know and, did and they... who knows like maybe it actually did work and there's still these you know clandestine psychic spies going around taking people out with their mind maybe uh right now somebody is you know <laughs> fucking with you who's listening maybe it's me i shouldn't say shit like that we're gonna have some unstable ass listener be listening and be like i knew it man i knew they were in my head with their talk of possums and shit it was all secret code man <laughs> So uh, this segment mentions a couple uh, cases. So it mentions the case of Lieutenant Colonel William Higgins. He was abducted by political extremists in Beirut, Lebanon on February 17, 1988. A few months after his abduction, David was asked to determine his location through remote viewing. He described a building that was heavily guarded. He also described a room where Higgins was brought for trial. 
He and other remote viewers are also able to describe his torture. However, they were never able to pinpoint in an exact location. Sadly, Higgins was later killed by his captors. And they saw this happening before he was he was killed. Like, they actually saw him die, like, months or, like, a year before he actually died. Or it was it was confirmed that he was dead. See, this is a big problem that I have with uh, these these psychics and a lot of these uh, psychic, like Dorothy Allison, the psychic um, uh-huh. you know detective who helped the police and this that, and the other. Nine times out of ten, especially on this show, they reveal all all these details that turn out to be correct, but they can never give them that that clincher that gives them a actual location the police still have to do all the legwork and then when the police finally figure out what happened it's like oh some of the stuff the the psychic said was correct but how does that in any way help the police you know oh so what you told me you know some details about the shirt the dead Uh body was wearing but you couldn't tell me where the dead body was and then we found the dead body, and oh look, they're wearing that same shirt. Whoop de fucking do! I mean, it's kind of cool, but I mean, it's not helpful, you know. Like I, that's well, what it's I don't understand. When it comes to like, well, yeah, I think it's helpful in some ways, especially cold cases. That that's where it can be helpful. Like if they, you know, they've done all these things, they've tried all these different things, and they're not able to really make any headway, and then they get a psychic who was able to kind of point them in the right direction. Um, there are some psychics that I think we've, we've talked about on the show that actually have helped, you know, these, uh, police investigators actually find bodies and so on and so forth. But yeah, there are a lot of them that are charlatans who aren't really, you know, who are just kind of making guesses or just, just happen to be right on the money because it's pure coincidence. Something that, uh... David mentioned uh, about the remote viewing experience stood out to me is that he could actually sense things like he could actually feel like cold or warmth um, or like if there's like wind or something like he could actually feel that. I find that really, really interesting that it wasn't like some of these other psychics that we hear where we're, t- we're, we're uh, hearing them talk about their visions like he could actually like experience the elements and you know feel things so the the next case is uh the pan am flight 103 was an american plane that crashed over scotland killing all on board after the crash david and several other remote viewers were called for an emergency set emergency session they were told the coordinates of the location of the plane crash and david saw the plane and its occupants during the flight he then sensed an explosion on board and the deaths of the occupants. And you could tell, like, this is something that really stuck with him. And it probably would. I mean, like, it's, this is like you're dealing with intense emotions and you're seeing this, you know, horrific accident. Well, actually, before you find out that it wasn't really an accident, this horrific attack with your own, essentially your own eyes. So later, the viewers were able to come up with a scenario as to what happened. The plane was blown up by a terrorist bomb that was hidden in a suitcase in the forward cargo hold. Investigators later came to the exact same conclusion. Now, that is actually helpful. 
Yeah. I mean, because it was it was actually hidden in the exact same place that they were talking about. But then again, I guess you could technically with something like that, if you're trying to think of, oh, what would a terrorist do? Where would they hide something on a plane? Probably hide it in a suitcase. But the, the fact that it's specifically in the forward cargo hold, the details make it make these uh, remote viewing sessions seem a lot more, uh, let's just say, verified and not as sketchy. Yeah, but that wasn't enough for the government because, according to them, they shut Project uh, Stargate project. They they shut that down because they weren't getting enough information. That's the their reasoning for it on on paper is that it was shut down because information provided by the program was vague and included irrelevant and erroneous data. Uh, there was reason to suspect that the project managers changed the report so they would fit background cues. The program was featured also. Oh, yeah. There was a movie called The Men Who Stare at Goats. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was trying to think of what the because I knew there was a movie based on that. And I forgot about I forgot the title. What a weird title. But yeah. Yeah. You see that one? I haven't seen it. I, I worked at a movie theater when it was playing, though. So yeah, they shut it down because uh, they said it didn't really find much of anything uh, that they personally felt was uh, helpful. But for all we know, could could have found a lot of stuff, could have been really effective in certain ways, and they just sent it even further underground. Yeah, and just said it was closed. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't I don't really believe that. If 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 they really could do that, you know, if they had these people that could uh, penetrate other people, yeah, they they we wouldn't be sending so many troops, uh, you know, overseas and using drones and all that. You know, we just have all these psychic spies doing all this shit for us. You know, I just I just don't really think that that's i don't think it's i could see that I, I th but it, I, I could see them like they don't do that like because first off that would be pretty uh i don't know there'd be a lot of people in, in around the country that would be pretty uh freaked out and scared by that yeah so by keeping it underground and only using it in like extreme scenarios then it would be one of those things where you know, it's 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 probably not going on, but I'm just saying there's a chance knowing the government and how shady they are and how they, you know, I mean, the Panama deception, which we haven't gotten to yet. Like I, I've mentioned it and I will keep mentioning it. The 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 uh, townspeople who uh, I, I, townspeople isn't really the right word, but the uh, citizens of Panama, they were interviewed and they were talking about multiple different people were talking about how U.S. troops were shooting and firing lasers that were just, like, slicing things in, in half and lighting things on fire. Like fucking, like a blaster pistol from Star Wars or something? Not not a blaster pistol. I don't know exactly, but straight-up fucking lasers that was incinerating things and slicing things up. Like a lightsaber? 
<laughs> I want to tie Star Wars into this somehow. <laughs> Zach, that's for you. Oh, you said you were going to keep on talking about the Panama deception. Well, you know what I'm going to keep on doing? I'm going to keep on loving you. Because it's, it's the only, only thing, thing I want to do. do. I don't want to sleep. I just want to keep, keep on loving you. <laughs> yeah. You know you need you guys need an Ario Speedwagon break. I they felt have like. a uh, distinctive uh, sound. I could sure. tell by the look in your eyes. Anyway, um, baby, do we have do we have anything uh, else on old Davy Morehouse? Nope. Okay. Well, that was a very so we are definitive note there, Mike. You're like yeah. nope. <laughs> yeah, because I really I, I've said everything that I wanted to say about that case. Um, but what's interesting is it's a military case, and so is the next one. Oh, he, he just to give a little bit more detail to some of the listeners who might be wondering, like, what happened when he got out of the program? So he left the program because, you know, he was seeing where it was going and he didn't like it. And then he went public with it, and they actually threatened to court-martial him, and all this other stuff, but instead the government just uh, made it public and just shut it down. Huh? That's like when uh, so, uh, that's like when someone's threatening to leak an album by a band unless the band pays them all this money, and then the band go the band just says, "Full well, fuck you." I'll just re- we'll just release it. That's what uh, system of a yeah. system of a down did that with uh, steal this album. Uh, somebody uh, had all these these rarities and B-sides of the band and they were threatening to release it unless the band paid them some kind of amount of money. And so the band just like, you know, put some little finishing touches on things here and there and they just released the album themselves and basically was like, fuck you, which I thought was kind of cool. It, <laughs> it loosely ties into what this, you know. So, yeah, it does. There's, there's enough of a connection there. Just like there's a loose connection between the next case that we're going to be talking about that Josh is going to take this is his pick it's a good one too yes this is um well this is about sharon rogers but it um it was the whole thing was initiated by captain will rogers the husband and this was uh just just a oh my goodness yeah i completely forgot about this uh this this tragedy yeah it's it's just Fucking awful, and wait, I mean, you'll hear about it, like, starting now. In the summer of 1988, in the Persian Gulf, a U.S. ship had recently been attacked. So U.S. naval boats and aircraft patrolled the Gulf to protect U.S. ships. One of the main naval ships was the USS Vincennes, which was fully... Vincennes. Vincennes, sorry. Which was fully equipped with air-to-surface missile, or surface-to-air missiles. On July 3rd, 1988, the USS Vincennes was traveling through the Persian Gulf when it received word from the USS Montgomery about attacks from Iranian Revolutionary Guard ships. A reconnaissance helicopter was attacked by several Iranian gunboats. An unidentified aircraft showed up on the Vincennes radar screen. It was increasing speed and apparently heading towards the Vincennes. 
Captain William C. Rogers tried to contact the aircraft, but was unsuccessful. After- and at this point in time, the Vincennes and the crew, they were involved in a battle with these uh, high-speed boats. Yeah, and, and the guns that they were using... Iran. <laughs> the guns they were using were straight up off of, like, Call of Duty. Like, anytime you're playing yeah. a video game and they have those mounted guns on something and you get behind it, it's just got the fucking... Uh, just that the 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 uh just the fifty cal. Oh, is that what that is? I think it might be. Cons- it might be a fifty cal. It could be wrong. It's like though. a Gatling gun. It's like it's like yeah. a mounted to the ground, and it's like on this like you know, it's got like the whole little. Uh, yeah, most most uh, aircraft carriers have those, as well as like cannons and you know. This may sound naive of me, but I didn't think those kinds of guns actually existed. The ones you stand oh, behind and grab yeah. by handles and oh, brrr, totally, one hundred percent the kind that turn turn people into hamburger. Yep, that's real. That's insane. Yeah, so they this whole time they're having this this battle with these like, and they actually shoot. They actually uh, show footage. I think from some of the conflict, like an actual footage, like from from the aircraft carrier. Yeah, so in the segment. Um fuck you Apple update. I'm not updating your shit anymore. <laughs> popping up on my screen. So anyway, this unidentified aircraft was uh Apple's attacking you. Yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to disseminate this information to the public. This was uh, this unidentified uh aircraft was increasing speed and apparently heading towards the Vincennes. Captain William C. Rogers tried to contact the aircraft but was unsuccessful. After several unsuccessful contact attempts, Captain Rogers fired missiles on the aircraft in fear that it may strike the Vincennes. The aircraft was struck and crashed into the Persian Gulf. And it shows everyone in the reenactment. They're just like, yeah, yeah. Everyone's like super. That's actually real footage. Oh, yeah. I think that was real footage. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's like fucking top gun high fiving each other and shit. Like, yeah, we're the USA. But, Uh But just minutes later. The Vincennes crew members were disturbed to learn about an Iranian passenger plane that had failed to reach its destination. They soon realized that they had shot down an Iran Air Flight 655, a commercial air a commercial passenger plane with 290 passengers and crew aboard. Tragically, all were killed. Ugh. And Robert Stack mentions in his narration this they they felt you know the the feeling you know that no uh military personnel ever wants to you know feel at that particular moment in time after something like that that you killed innocent civilians most people accepted the downing of iran air flight 655 as a tragic error the flight was not running at its scheduled time it was not responding to repeated attempts to identify itself and the Vincennes could not tell the difference between the plane and a fighter jet. And yeah, I mean, I I don't blame them for taking that action. I mean, the uh, Captain Rogers is interviewed and he says uh, he recounts what happened and he actually refused to shoot the missiles uh, the first time that he had the opportunity to do so. And as the aircraft got closer and closer... And you're in the middle of a firefight, you're in the middle of a battle, and you're thinking about your crew, and you're thinking about their safety, and, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you get a call, and they say, you're you're good to go, like, you know, this is your last chance. Right. 
I mean, what what he, he took what it. could you do in that situation? You know, I mean, it's just because the the case because it's a case of like, what if it is an enemy aircraft? Then, then you're 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 even you're in even more trouble than you already are, and there's going to be more casualties on board, and you know, or there's actually going to be actual casualties on board, and. There, there. You know, the risk goes way up. So, I don't blame him for doing that, but that's got to be rough for him, for everyone else on that aircraft carrier. I mean, that that's that's brutal. So, if this I was mean, seen, and, and just the swing of emotions that they went went through, if this was seen as a tragic error here. Inside Iran, the response was different. The people refused to forgive, and they claimed their right to revenge. I wouldn't say everyone did. Like, this Wikipedia is trying to just assume that everyone in Iran, you know, was just vindictive and wanted to be an asshole about it. Uh, there were several high-ranking officials in the Iranian uh, military who even made statements that, you know, we will refuse, we refuse to forgive and we will get revenge. Meanwhile, in San Diego, California, Captain Rogers' wife, Sharon, a fourth-grade teacher, tried to cope with the news of the incident. A week later, at around 1 a.m., the phone rang, and a man with a Middle Eastern accent asked Sharon if this was the home of Captain Rogers. He then asked her, Are you the wife of the murderer? To which she hung up the phone. Sharon was afraid that someone was planning retribution against her. The Naval Investigative Service was called in to secure the Rogers' home. Agents checked the mail and monitored incoming phone calls. They asked Sharon to always keep her van in the garage. Ten weeks, as well as uh, her husband, to keep his car in the garage as well. Yeah. Ten weeks passed, and no further threats were received. On October twenty fourth, nineteen eighty eight, Sharon was at the dock uh, to welcome the USS Vincennes and her husband home. Despite the lack of threats, the Rogers still kept their guard up and always remembered to place their vehicles in the garage. On May 9, 1989, however, they forgot to pull Sharon and William's car and van into the uh, driveway. At 7 a.m. the next morning, William drove Sha Sharon's van to a local market to pick up breakfast pastries. After having breakfast, Sharon left, the van, uh, left in the van for school. At a red light, an explosion occurred in the back of Sharon's van. The van engulfed in flames, and Sharon had difficulty exiting due to her seatbelt. She was able to free herself with just seconds to spare. And they actually show the van exploding and everything. It's a really uh, high-quality reenactment when it comes to the special effects. Yeah, for sure. So it's actually on fire. Actually, it blows up. Here's the thing. I'm wondering about this. Like, Why didn't it blow up when he went to get the breakfast pastries? Yeah, why did it just blow up like after that? She gets in the car, goes on, you know, drive, and then it blows up. Well, is it remote detonated? Yeah, yeah, is that why? It could be a timed thing. Uh, they could, they could have. Yeah, they thought they could have. They they thought they had. You know, maybe they timed it at. You know. And then the other thing is they kind of fucked up with the placement of the bomb because it was like behind her in the, yeah. you know, towards the back of the van. It wasn't like right under the driver's it seat. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't in the driver's seat. So if you're trying to kill her or trying to kill, you know, uh, the the captain, I, 
that the, the way that they did it offers would have offered both of them the opportunity to escape. I don't understand how she didn't suffer some kind of hearing loss from that explosion. Yeah, yeah and when she's uh, talking about you know what happened, it's it's pretty chilling. You know, she's she's just talking about how you know it just blew up, and then I knew I only had a a few precious seconds, and then my seatbelt. I, I forgot that I had my seatbelt on. <laughs> And then Stax coming in with his narration, just heightening the tension even more. <laughs> yeah. The Naval Investigative Service and the FBI were immediately called in to investigate the explosion. The investigation determined that a large pipe bomb had been strapped to the underbelly of the van. The blast had gone just behind Sharon's seat and out the roof, barely sparing Sharon's life. The FBI learned from neighbors that about two months prior to the bombing, a stranger had been asking questions on the Rogers Street. The Middle Eastern man asked the neighbors if a captain lived on the street. He also asked if a Middle Eastern family lived on the street, to which the neighbors pointed to another house. The man has never been located or identified, and police are uncertain as to his involvement in this case. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have said anything. I've just been like, you know, so the guy was right to say, like, he's like, do you know where the captain is? And does the captain live here? And then he's like, the captain? I'm not telling you that, you know, that whole sort of thing. <laughs> so I'm not telling you anything. <laughs> so a composite was made of the man who is described as 5'9", thin build with dark hair and eyes and a receding hairline. He had a thick Middle Eastern accent. A second man waiting for him in a BMW with California license plates was there. The BMW was an unusual color, bronzite beige. Both men... Bronzette. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Both men were believed to be in their 30s at the time. Neither individual has been identified, and police note that the men are not suspects, but only wanted for questioning in the case. And it's unresolved, because, you know, it's one of these sort of uh, terrorist hit-and-run type deals, so. Yeah, the um, investigators eventually came to believe that the bombing was a result of a personal vendetta against Captain Rogers, the statute of limitation expired in this case in 1994 however the bombs the bomber was never identified this is almost this reminds me of the la infante yeah or whatever where yeah they, but that was like uh, way, Infants, that, yeah. that was like way worse than this because that yeah. was just that that went on for years well i know this is still pretty bad though because she could have easily died yeah but this, this, i'm not gonna say way worse this, the psychological say, aspect of the love yeah. thing like that guy has to stay in a that mental was way worse the psychological you know damage was of we with lay Font is arguably worse than than uh what happened here. the dedication it would take to constantly call someone all the time and just like threaten mm. them and fuck with them that's one that it, it sucks that's not on Amazon, so more people can see that. Oh, that's one of the ones that isn't on there? I don't think so. Oh, damn, that does suck. Um, But, yeah, it, it's... Yeah, I mean, it's a scary shit. I mean, it, when you get involved with, you know, the military and something happens, is involved with another country, and you got people who want to get revenge on you and your family. Um, this is just one example out of many. And I'm sure that a lot of other, you know, military men and women have dealt with over the years. You know, with these fucking terrorists. Yeah, and it's just like, the whole, Jesus Christ, 290 
passengers yeah. kill innocent yeah. civilians. Jeez. They show footage of 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 the ocean with all their luggage in the in the water. It's so sad, man. God. Yeah. At least they went quick. It wasn't like this long suffering thing. It was like you're there one second and the next second you're gone. But geez, you know, and how many people yeah. were expecting the arrival, you know, of their family members and shit. Oh, the United States blew your shit up. I would be yeah. pissed too. Yeah. So we uh we talked about two plane explosions. <laughs> um that and uh talked about terrorists. <laughs> And all military stuff like that. Both have, both of these segments really did connect to each other fairly fairly well. Um, that really wasn't planned, folks. <laughs> it was just a uh, spur of the moment coincidence type of deal. I want to mention one more thing from the David Morehouse case, where he's talking about how he was seeing ethereal uh, spirits. Like he was talking about how he when he was going into a remote viewing session uh, with the flight that exploded, he was talking about how he saw souls wandering around, you know, wondering what happened. And if that's really the case, like that's seeing that would really rock you. And also, like if that's what happens, like fuck. Like, I mean, it's after everything already happened, you're dead, and now you're like, what the fuck? Well, that would explain, <laughs> like, hauntings and stuff. Someone dies yeah, in a house and their would. soul remains or whatever. Yeah. Some go on and others stay. Because they're confused and they're wondering what's going on. Yeah. Well. Or some just want to stay because they don't want to go. They're just like, I'm still here. Party! Like Devil's <laughs> Backbone. Stop! Stop! <laughs> And that crazy motherfucker who's like, they haunt this land. They love this land, and I love this land. And I, when I die, by golly gee, I'll haunt these lands. Like, yeah. fucking weirdo. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't have anything else to say about the Captain Rogers case. Yeah, nor do I. Um, and, um, yeah, so... That that is the segments. Um, if you want more of me and Mike, um, I did make a change to the Patreon page. I already made a, an announcement about it on Patreon itself, but um, there there's basically uh, it's been simplified because uh, we just kind of I I just came to the uh, the the acceptance that we are just not going to be able to continue the bonus segment thing. I mean, we we talk about it and we. I mean, there's a lot from the past that you, you can still go in and uh, have access to now. Um, if I think it's the $5 tier or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's a one, a three, and a $5 tier. Yeah. Um, one tier is just thank you for your support. The this, uh, $3 tier, you get the podcast early. And then the $5 tier, you get the podcast early. And uh, whatever topic you want us to cover on the podcast. Are you still doing the, you know, grandfathering in the other tiers for people who have already you know been paying or you just changed everything entirely it yeah i think it like automatically does that but um that makes sense yeah because that's something that i can absolutely deliver on every week and i can you Mm -hmm. know it's it's more it feels more honest and it feels just better i mean you could still contribute however much you want i mean there's people who contribute way more than five dollars and i'm super appreciative of them as is mike but uh yeah yeah that's so that's the changes that have been made to the patreon so now basically the biggest perk you get is you get the podcast early 
and you can uh, you, you know you'll be at the top of the list if you want us to cover uh, a certain because we get we yeah. get uh, suggestions for topics all the time and you know sometimes we'll do it sometimes we don't but if you're a Patreon donor and you suggest a topic we'll fucking cover it uh, no matter what it is within reason of course but uh, so yeah it's yeah. if you want to con- uh, contribute to the podcast in that way it's Patreon.com/slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Um, if you want to join our Facebook group, you should, because it's uh, very interactive and fun and uh, just the best group that I've seen. There's some nice bonuses on there, too. Yeah, there's some great stuff in there that we will uh, not mention on here that we can't tell you about. Um, that is, uh, go to Facebook.com, go to the groups section of Facebook, and search Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Answer a few questions so I know that you're not John Cosgrove trying to penetrate our network and kill our fun. Um, that's an inside joke there. Some of you might get that who, uh, are part of the group. Um, and yeah, finally, if you want more me and Mike, um, separately, but entertainingly, uh, you can find us on YouTube. Uh, you can find me or no, you can find Mike at YouTube YouTube.com slash OCP communications. He's a movie guy. What was the last thing you talked about, Mike? Last movie I reviewed was crawl. The science fiction movie. No, crawls. Crawls the film that came out recently takes place in Florida. There's oh. a hurricane and there's giant alligators and yeah, it's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, because you t- you told me you had seen it, but you uh, you hadn't done a review on it at that point. No, I hadn't done a review oh, okay. at that at that point. I did see Ready or Not recently, another horror film that was fun. I'll probably do a review of that pretty soon. Um, we also. Uh, uh, I think it's Stephanie's been updating the YouTube channel, right? For you, you oh yeah, thanks for reminding me about that. Yeah, if uh, for whatever reason it's easier for you to listen to our podcast on YouTube, um, Stephanie has been diligently uh, uploading our our old episodes to our YouTube channel in hopes of like growing our podcast even more. And uh, so, if you want to check out our YouTube channel, um. Well, just search Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries because I don't think we have a custom URL. I think you have to get like 500 subscribers to get a... Yeah. Which we our yeah. channel, sadly, does not have. I don't even know how we have 168 subscribers on here because <laughs> it was the most neglected-ass channel for the longest time. But there are people, yeah. uh, you know, commenting here and there on the newly yeah. uploaded Well, episodes. I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where it kind of started out because we didn't do Spotify in, until like a little bit later, so it started out on YouTube actually until like everything was like, you know, John and Terry got involved and had to rebrand everything. That is because I used to post episodes on my channel. Oh, uh, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, that's there. So you can sub- subscribe to our it channel. It worked out though. Yeah, it's also harder now to get. Uh, views and to get noticed on youtube than it was then yeah that's for damn sure that's for goddamn sure uh speaking of uh youtube if you want to subscribe to my personal channel it's youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts and um last thing i uploaded was our new song the white room which i'm going to uh play at the end of this it's doing pretty good yeah it's doing really good it's uh surpassed five thousand plays on spotify so that's fucking awesome um that's pretty good for a fairly new song. I mean, for a local band, you know, that's that's good for any any song, no matter how old or new. It Spotify is not like YouTube; like you can't just easily rack up, you know, ten thousand views if you mm-hmm. if you put out the right 
video with the right thumbnail. Spotify, like, you get plays if you're popular. I mean, that's it. There is no, there is no algorithm that helps the underdogs get ahead. They say that, oh, you can submit your song to be considered to be put in to one of our editorial playlists, but we haven't been able to get in there yet, so I don't know what what you what you got to do because I know our songs are really good and really solid, but um, yeah, I don't I don't know. But anyway, um, I am I'm working on a uh, my new video is going to be curb your enthusiasm worst to best huh. uh, uh, seasons. So I'm going through all hmm. the seasons of curb your enthusiasm and I'm ranking them. What do you think about some of the you know, controversy associated with, you know, Larry David or, you know, some of that other stuff. You know, our people are like, oh, you know. Eh, dude, it's 2019. That's the that's yeah. all there is to it. I mean, everybody's getting offended by everything. The, the fucking comedians who... The Dave Chappelle show that he did. The comedians I'm so who glad are, he did that. Who are looked upon... Who or The comedians that were looked upon as, like, these champions for, like, free speech and, you know, left-leaning left and all that. Even they are being, like, castigated now in this, in this climate. Like, the... People are trying to cancel Dave Chappelle after his, like, yeah special. the liberals have evolved into uber liberals and just the the people who were just regular liberals are now seen as like con, like conservative almost it's gotten so weird and uh yeah i mean larry david has been controversial this entire time it's nothing new but just because it's 2009 because um season eight i didn't know this until i was did research into the show uh, season eight came out in like 2011 or something like that. Yeah. And they waited like six years to put out mm -hmm. season nine. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. I was like, cause like before it was like a, a season, like every year. Yeah. And then, cause what I was talking about is kind of, cause I think, wasn't he involved in some, you know, me too sort of stuff or uh, someone else? No, I don't think, or... I don't think so. I could be wrong, but. I know that he got. Maybe I'm getting confused with Arrested Development because that, yes, that was Arrested Development some, is some what that. you're thinking of, and that was um, I don't remember who that was, but yeah, no, that was Arrested Development. Now uh, there was some controversy over the, the last season of Kirby Enthusiasm because of uh, like a, a Holocaust uh, joke or something like that. But I mean, Larry Davis Jewish. He, I mean, I understand that other Jews might be offended by a joke like that, but it's kind of like. It's a joke, and jokes can be... Well, I mean, look what Takiya Watiti's doing with the Jojo Rabbit movie, where it's like this German kid has an imaginary friend who's Adolf Hitler. You know, I could totally see some people looking that, at that and being like, whoa, you know, we're not supposed to look at Hitler like that. It's some kind of just goofy imaginary friend comic relief you know <laughs> i just wish there was like an adult section of society where people like myself could go where you could just have unbridled comedy and unbridled opinions and there was nobody getting like offended or nobody making a a, twi a twitter post There's about some it some parts of the internet like that yeah but i wish you could go there and 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 exist and not be like uh, classified as uh, this like you know neoliberal or neoconservative or whatever you know like it's just gotten so fucking weird now man like yeah whenever people get on to me about shit I'm like god like uh, it's like dude I'm on your fucking side about like you know being more socially liberal maybe not like fiscally but like socially liberal like marry whoever the fuck you want 
go and have an abortion if you want like uh pray to whatever god you want do it basically do whatever the fuck you want as long as you're not yeah hurting anybody you know i also think some people with a lot of these more like some of the comics nowadays they just don't get the fact that these comics are not being serious you know they're fucking with you. you know, they're 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 joking. They're they're comics. Right. They're making jokes. Like they're not able to to separate jokes from reality anymore. Like I, I don't get it. Like you know, Chappelle. Yeah, he said some controversial shit. But if you actually get to know him or actually hear him, you know, talk about stuff outside of his standup, he's actually not. You know, he doesn't really necessarily believe in. You know, the extreme positions that he takes on stage. He does it for comedy. It's like... And it's he, like, was, it's, he was right calling out his audience. I love that. I love that he called out his audience. Because he did this whole bit where he's... He does some impressions. And he, and he does this whole thing where he acts like, you know... Uh, I'm going to cancel you. You know, you know, anything you do, I'm going to, you know hold you on it you know and this isn't exactly what he said but and people are like what do you think i'm doing an impression of and everyone's like trump and then he's like no that's you (laughs) 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 and i love that she's like no that's not it's not trump it's you Yeah, it's Worst it's a fucking it, audience I've ever. It's like it's a is a comedian really gonna go on stage and like say if if the, if like homosexuality or or, or or homophobia or transphobia or racism if that yeah because he was that he was, was making some joke about trans if that was truly like he, in in his heart if he truly had an issue with that would he go on stage in front of a bunch of people and just tell people that and admit that no no. You would be stupid to do that. You would end your fucking career. But yet he's out there doing it. Could it be that perhaps he doesn't really feel that way and he's saying it for comedic effect? I don't know. Then people say, well, you, it hurts people's feelings. It's like, yeah. Maybe people's feelings need to get hurt a little bit because then they develop a thicker fucking skin. Because guess what? The world... Some people need their bubble to be bursted. As as much as the world from social media seems like everyone's so fucking woke, the reality is when you walk out your front door, 98% of the people you walk into are not as woke as as social media thinks they are. And they're not going to pander to your feelings. And they're not going to pander to your sensitivities. They're going to be dicks. They're going to say offensive shit. And it's on you to take that and handle it yeah. the correct way and uh you know not uh you know isolate yourself from society even more creating even more of a divide between everybody it's like people are going to be fucked up they're going to say ignorant shit just blow it off man it's like fuck them it's up to you to create that context unless they're talking about you personally when they're joking around or insulting or throwing these things out there then if it's not about you personally, then stop inserting yourself into that. Like, what's the point of it? It's an an unnecessary stress you don't need in your life. Yeah. But I think some people, they look for that. They want, that gives them a reason, you know, not, not, I'm not trying to say it gives them a reason to live, but it gives them something, I guess a cause that they feel like they have. 
where they can be like these gatekeepers of uh, social justice. Well, it, it, it gives it, it gives them attention too. I think that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing is is it gives if you go on Twitter or wherever and you know you're just tearing into someone else, you know, you see someone finally fucked up, you know, like Pro Jared, for instance, and you just pile on and And then you find out that <laughs> That's surprising. Oh, there me. were people when he he uh, when he issued like made that video basically showing that he wasn't a pedophile and he had proof and shit. Mm-hmm. Like there were still people on Twitter go like breaking down his his uh of course. You know, his statement, his video tearing apart like, you know, oh, insert fake sigh, insert looking sad, you know, insert unshaved face. You're still guilty, blah blah. And it's like you are such an attention-seeking piece of shit bottom feeder. That you're not even worth uh, being online. Like you should have that taken away from you because you're just you're Elliot Roger you're poisoning the fucking well. You're Elliot Roger. Go get a fucking marketable skill, you cunt. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, this this on tell us how you really feel. Th- Josh. This literally feels like me and Mike just like you know like we're we're in a relationship together and we have a son and we just like knocked on his door and we're like hey hey son can we come in. And me and Mike just sat down with little Timmy and we just like uh, basically preached to him our our views on the world just now. That's what it felt like. <laughs> like we need to have a talk with you about, you know, uh, the principal's calling us and telling us that you're being an oversensitive little pussy lately. And uh, we need to have a little talk with you about that. I remember my dad's like drilling the point home to me so much as a kid that the world doesn't give a shit about you. And, you know, doesn't care about your feelings. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that viewpoint. I mean, there, you know, a lot of people don't. But there are some people in the world that that will care and and do genuinely care about you and what you do. There are. Um, But I I think I think um, having the the majority probably doesn't. I think I mean, that's just how it is. Having the attitude that the world doesn't give a shit about you. I think it's good because then you're pleasantly surprised when you run into those few good people who do care. But if you're if you're going around expecting everyone to be tolerant, everyone to be educated, every, yeah, that's a problem. You know, it's like you are going to be so that's not realistic. You're going to be so constantly disappointed. You know, not everyone is can be as woke as you. You know, I mean, everyone has different. It's not realistic. Everyone has different ex- experiences. Everyone has different backgrounds. You know education is important educating people on things that's important but then there comes a point where it turns into like you know nazi germany where it's like you can't say this and you can't say that and you can't say that either because it's offensive and it's like okay you know fuck you i can say i can say (laughs) what i want and i mean you can be offended and that's okay and we can still be friends at the end of the day like I should be able to say some bullshit that you don't agree with, and we we're still friends. You don't. You agree to disagree. Yeah, you don't. You agree to disagree, and that and and I, I agree with that that standpoint. I mean, I try to do that as much as I and as often as I can. Some people get on my nerves and drive me up the fucking wall, and they irritate me, and we get in debates, and then we're going on in circles, and it goes nowhere, and then ultimately I realize that I should just stick to the agree to disagree thing. I mean, you know, like, I, I, in person, I in person will always be the best way to handle this shit because look how many times a out of, uh, you know, a, a, 
Look how many times social media has enabled uh, arguments to catch fire a thousand times worse and a thousand times faster than it ever would have happened in person. Because people get behind their keyboards and all of a sudden become the asshole that they always wanted to be, but were too shy or too spineless to be in someone's face. Like the yep. amount of Facebook arguments I see where I'm like, if these two people had the same argument in person, it would have been squashed within five fucking minutes because body <laughs> language would have been taken into account. Yeah. Uh, tone of voice would have been taken into yeah, account. It's really hard to tell tone on, on social media. Like people try to do it with like caps and other things, but it, unless you know that person well enough and, and how they type and, and what they, you know, what they, the type of style they use when they're, putting together their arguments, it, it's incredibly difficult, uh, if not impossible, to really tell what the tone right. of their statement is. Yeah, and I, I know people, this one guy comes to mind in particular, on Facebook, he is such an, an asshole on Facebook. Nicest guy in the world in person. It's like the weirdest thing. Like, on Facebook, I want to block him. In person, nicest guy ever. Yeah. Like, it's like people, you know, who have families and their profile pictures are of them with their kids and then they're fucking nasty, straight up trolls on the internet. It's like all the. That's a great, uh, that's a great role model for your kid. Oh, they don't <laughs> care. They're, they're probably teaching their kids to, to be bigot, bigots, you know, towards things that they deem unacceptable. Like, honey, come here, look at this freak show with all these tattoos, you know, like, what a degenerate little punk, you know, you kids better never do that under my, you know, living under my house, you know, I'll disown you, I bet that shit happens all the time, <laughs> especially in the South, um, but yeah, that's, uh, I think that's it for the podcast and the preaching and the soapbox and all that shit, um, there's going to be some people like, this podcast is canceled. Yeah, well, don't take anything we say seriously, because this is just supposed to be entertainment, so whatever. <laughs> now, this was a little bit more of us being, you know, more serious than... I, I'm than I'm serious, instances. unless it offends you, then I was just kidding. <laughs> that's pretty much how I... That's how... That is... That is great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> All right, guys, that's the podcast for this week. Until next week, have a good rest of your week. Goodbye. See ya. <laughs>
Psychic spies from China try to steal your mind's elation. And little girls from Sweden dream of self-screen fortation. And if you want these kind of dreams, it's Californication. Is that real lyrics? Yeah. Psychic spies huh. from China try to steal your mind's <laughs> elation. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, Psychic spies, they're watching you. They see your every move. Psychic spies, they're watching you. Psychic spies.